Every new year, I decide I'm gonna start over and make my home healthier. I plan to replace my household cleansers with less toxic ones and only buy recycled paper toilet rolls and paper towels. And I never do it because I don't know which products to get. And when I do look for less toxic cleansers, they are more expensive and harder to find. Plus, I'm not totally convinced it's that important to make these changes for the health of my family's environment at home. I have plenty of reasons to go back to the same products I've been using for 20 years. It's just easier. But last year, I did make one change. I was volunteering as a state government affairs representative from my local pediatrics chapter. Our job was to review new bills that were being proposed to the state legislature and advocate on behalf of children for any proposed legislation that would potentially affect kids, you know, because they can't vote themselves. This one bill came up about per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. Oh, that's a mouthful. PFAS is how they're known. They're also called forever chemicals. They're a group of man-made chemical compounds that repel water, dirt, oil, you know, grease, things found in food packaging, water-resistant clothing, things like that. I had to review the bill and present it to my group. And of course, I couldn't pronounce PFAS at the time, but as I reviewed the science behind this, I wasn't thinking about how they would actually affect kids' health. You know what I was thinking about? My kitchen pots and pans. They're all nonstick and they're at least 12 years old and scratched and they're covered in PFAS, which is also Teflon. Teflon is a form of PFAS. How much PFAS was I eating every day? So I researched pots and pans and I replaced my pans with ceramic ones. I don't know if my family's being exposed to less of these compounds, but I do feel smug. And the bills banning these substances in some textiles and other uses, it actually passed in California. Then this year, I was asked by a freelance journalist from Architectural Digest to make recommendations about the best crib mattresses from the perspective of a pediatrician. And I was thinking about the mattresses like weight and their fluffiness, things like that. And I spent some time in the scientific literature looking at crib mattresses. And guess what? They're toxic. There are toxic chemicals in some crib mattresses. Are we being poisoned everywhere? Maybe we should be more thoughtful about the products we bring into our homes. This issue was not on my radar, but it is now. I'm going to share with you what I've learned and which products you need to be careful about in your home and why. Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. This is not a political statement. There is now a lot of scientific evidence that a large number of chemicals known as endocrine disrupting compounds or EDCs have significant effects on our health. These are chemicals found in food, water, household, and beauty products, and they disrupt our hormone system. And if you don't know what the hormone system is, it's a system of chemicals in our body that tell our organs what to do. They're like the messengers of the body. They're responsible for our growth, reproduction, metabolism, sleep, even our immune responses. And EDCs are substances that can make our bodies make more of some hormones less of others. They interfere with the ability to send some of these signals 
and research shows us undeniably that they are causing long-term health effects. These substances first got attention not because they were causing problems in humans, but they were causing problems in animals with their development and reproduction in things like fish and birds. This is a long story and it's a total aside, but one of my patient's fathers is an elephant trainer. And he told me that they weren't successfully breeding rhinos at his zoo. I guess the rhino guys talked to the elephant guys. Anyway, the rhino's food had so much soy in it, it was disrupting their fertility because of the estrogenic compounds in the feed. So the trainers swapped out the feed to not contain so much soy. And now they have a rhino baby boom. There's some theory that plants evolved to have compounds that made fewer animals be born when they eat the plant. Anyway, this was a naturally occurring phenomenon, but we are being exposed to a number of compounds from the products we use every day, and they are disrupting everything and possibly including our fertility. Early studies of animal diseases related to toxic environmental exposures were dismissed for not being relative to our own human health but there are tons and tons of examples of wildlife exposures that led to population decline and even birth defects, as well as diseases in animals as wide-ranging as alligators, birds, polar bears, even orcas. The idea that these animal findings don't apply to humans has now been debunked. And guess which humans are the most affected by these chemicals? It's kids. They have a smaller body size, a larger skin to body ratio, and they live closer to the ground. They also put things in their mouth that adults don't. That's why we need to be even more concerned about our kids' exposure to EDCs. Endocrine disrupting compounds, or EDCs, include a huge number of different substances. You've likely heard of BPA, which is found in plastics, and another one is called phthalates. We're exposed to them in every way. We eat them, they're in our dust, in the water, we inhale them, we get them through skin contact and even across the placenta. So you can't really get away from them. The only thing we can do is try to get them out of the environment. The National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey, known as the NHANES, was produced by the CDC back in 2004, and they found that BPA was in 93% of human urine samples from anyone over age six. One problem is that a lot of these substances, they're what we call lipophilic. That means they like fat and they accumulate in our fat tissues and they release into the blood slowly over time. And these chemicals work together to cause problems. Combinations of different EDCs seem to have intensified effects in human breast tissue, ovaries, and prostate cells, according to studies. There are also concerns about these chemicals in sunscreen. The chemicals we put on our skin that act as ultraviolet filters, those chemicals are absorbed into our skin, and there's evidence of effects on brain and breast tissue in animal models. Although human data isn't available yet, this probably is applicable. For now, Mineral-based sunscreens containing either titanium dioxide or zinc oxide are recommended because they aren't absorbed. I don't want to scare you too much, but there are so many research studies that show a connection between EDCs and human diseases. It's absolutely overwhelming. There was a lot of concern about BPA, especially in kids, because before it was banned, 
BPA was found in baby bottles, pacifiers, food packaging, and children's toys. Animal studies suggest that BPA is associated with horrible things like ovarian cysts and cancers. Studies are ongoing, and animal studies suggest there's a connection with PCOS, which is known as polycystic ovarian syndrome, as well as endometriosis, fibroids, altered reproduction in men, testicular cancer, obesity, diabetes, autism, ADHD, basically everything. It's too much data to even summarize. The takeaway here is that there is enough information to show that we need to get these substances away from our children. BPA itself has largely been banned from products that your children will come into contact with, but there is a new focus on a class of chemical compounds called PFAS. As I said before, PFAS are a group of human-made chemicals. They're also called forever chemicals because they don't break down in the environment. They have a strong bond between the fluorine and carbon atoms, and that gives them their very helpful ability to be stain resistant and make products non-stick. That also means they resist degradation. They have that really strong bond. So they migrate through our soil intact into our groundwater and into our drinking water sources. Dr. Jamie DeWitt is an associate professor of pharmacology and toxicology at East Carolina University. She researches these chemicals. Here, she explains more. PFAS is actually an acronym for a class of close to 10,000 individual substances that are defined as per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. They are used in a phenomenal amount of products and processes, mostly as surfactants or as raw materials for agents that confer nonstick, stain, grease, and water repellent properties. I mentioned a very long list of diseases that might be linked with these chemical compounds. And obviously the problem is that there are tens of thousands of these chemicals. They're everywhere in our environment and they have combined effects in the human body. So how do researchers know which of these chemicals are a problem? One way is by looking at groups of people who have known exposures, like military, or firefighters who have worn fireproof turnout gear containing PFAS. Dr. DeWitt explains the ways that researchers study these chemicals. One way is by performing epidemiological studies of people who have been exposed through their jobs, where they live, or even through everyday activities, and then asking, is their exposure linked to health effects? Another way that we can ask questions about the potential effects of PFAS exposure on human health is by performing studies with laboratory models. And through these studies with laboratory models, we can ask questions about individual PFAS and very specific types of health effects, such as effects on the immune system or effects on development or effects on the heart, for example. And when we tie all this information together, we start to develop an overall picture of what health effects really look like following PFAS exposure. And from studies of people and studies of experimental models, we now have pretty good evidence linking PFAS exposure to high cholesterol, a suppressed immune system, effects on development, effects on liver health, effects on thyroid function and other endocrine functions, effects on pregnancy and people's ability to get pregnant, as well as some effects on ulcerative colitis or autoimmune endpoints. 
Emerging data suggests that there might be a whole bunch of other health effects, which is one reason we call PFAS multi-system toxicants. Well, that is a very long and scary list. Studies show that over 98% of Americans have detectable PFAS in their blood and body tissues. So that's all of us. There's another type of exposure that we need to be aware of inside our homes, and this is something called off-gassing. If you've ever noticed that new scent coming from your carpet, your car interior, or your crib mattress, that smell is off-gassing. It's what happens when an object releases volatile organic chemicals called VOCs into the air. You might even be familiar with these chemicals because you've smelled them from cleaning products. There's even some evidence that crib mattresses release these chemicals and can cause problems for your baby. One study, it was really small, links these chemicals that go into the air from crib mattresses to cases of sudden infant death syndrome, though that hasn't been confirmed. Just the theory of this connection, it makes me recommend being thoughtful about the mattress you choose. The release of these chemicals does increase when the mattress gets warmer when the child is sleeping on it. So I recommend mattresses without these chemicals. Crib mattresses will specify they are non-toxic or made with natural materials. There is a link to a good choice in the show notes, so check that out. What else can you do to prevent exposure to these chemicals in your daily life? That's next. Products designed to be used by kids like pajamas, car seats, furniture, baby wipes, teething rings, even art supplies, all have historically contained toxic chemicals. Manufacturers are generally a lot more careful about the materials in their products now. And in a number of cases, federal and state laws have addressed this issue. For example, lead has been removed from everything. Flame retardants have been banned from children's sleepwear. And BPA has been removed from baby bottles and formula cans, but only recently. However, phthalates are still common in children's changing table pads, bumper pads, and soft, squishy toys. And volatile organic compounds, those VOCs, they're still found in art supplies like glues and markers. And the safety of artificial turf fields is now under investigation for this reason. The turf fields use recycled tires to cushion the field, and they definitely off-gas. Another place you need to be careful is at gymnastic centers. Those giant foam blocks actually have high levels of flame retardants, so pay attention to the smell there. Some states have focused on chemicals in kids' products and have developed lists of high-concern chemicals. Washington State, for example, developed a retailer and manufacturer document that lists all the products that contain chemicals of concern. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. I mentioned that I myself want to swap out my household cleaners. There are just too many products out there with many different claims to even sort through them. The best case example of concern in this category and the chemical that has been studied the most is triclosan. It first appeared in hospital disinfectants, and then it moved into household cleaners. And it is known to interfere with estrogen and thyroid hormone function. There's also strong evidence that it increases the likelihood that a human is going to have an allergy in their airway and more likely to have asthma after they've been exposed to this cleanser. 
So when you're looking for household cleaners, choose one without triclosan and triclocarban, as well as any artificial fragrances. Read the ingredients and don't buy ones that list perfume or parfum on the label. We don't know what these substances are and they do get volatilized into the air. When you are choosing household cleaners and even makeup products and air fresheners, look for labels that say non-toxic, biodegradable, phthalate-free, and fragrance-free. That's the best way to avoid these chemicals that we know cause health problems. Besides finding cleaning brands that don't contain these chemicals, you can limit your family's exposure by reducing the total number of cleaning products you use. This will reduce the range of chemicals that you might be exposed to. For day-to-day cleaning, you really only need water and a mild soap. You can even make your own cleaners with ingredients like vinegar, lemon juice, baking soda, and Castile soap. Next, you want to make sure your water is safe. You can check your local water authority. Some states, but not all of them, require testing for the presence of PFAS, and they have to report if there are any elevated levels. However, not every state does this. If your local level does turn out to be high, you can buy PFAS-free bottled water for drinking and for mixing your baby formula. And if you do that, I'd recommend buying bottled water that contains a little bit of fluoride because you want to protect your kids' teeth. Or just talk to your dentist or pediatrician about whether you need extra fluoride treatment. You can also get a water filter for your home. Reverse osmosis filters are known to remove all of these dangerous chemicals. But kids also use products that aren't designed specifically for them, like they might use adult sunscreen. Even baby sunscreen, it's not regulated, and it can contain endocrine disruptors like oxybenzone. Similarly, insect repellents, toothpaste, and soaps can contain some of these chemicals. In terms of indoor exposures, paint can be a source of exposure, and manufacturers now make VOC-free paints. Studies of children in recently painted homes show an increased number of respiratory infections right after their house is painted. Be aware of new shower curtains. They can off-gas phthalates, and air freshener sprays also contain stabilizers and fragrance chemicals, and most of those are chemicals that are on the lists of potentially concerning but don't yet have enough human studies to outright ban them. The other concern is that complications during pregnancy, they have increased over the past few decades. And many scientists explain that exposure to these kinds of chemicals I've been talking about is one of the potential contributors to this problem. Dr. DeWitt at East Carolina University works with PFAS chemicals in her lab, and she's really careful to not release the byproducts of her research into the environment. Here's what she said when asked about how she avoids them in her own life. I also try to educate myself about where my water comes from. I know that my water comes from the Tar River and I can look up information for my utility company about the last time they measured PFAS in water from the Tar River. So I can find out what PFAS and what amounts are in my drinking water. I also try to educate myself about companies that have really made a commitment to phase PFAS out of their products and processes. And I try to purchase products from those companies so that I can support their environmental stewardship and their their moves towards sustainability. When you're bathing, you don't need an alternative water source because the chemicals aren't absorbed through the skin. PFAS is found in house dust. That's why kids who are on the floor more than adults are more at risk. 
So use a wet mop to limit household dust. And consider changing your heating duct filters to HEPA filters. Watch for nonstick fast food containers and microwave popcorn packaging that is nonstick inside. Most brands don't use these chemicals, but it hasn't been completely removed. Replace your old or cracked nonstick cookware with cast iron or stainless steel, or search for ceramic cookware without PFAS. Read the information about the materials the pans are made of. Brands like Caraway, for example, they're nonstick ceramic, and they specify that they don't contain any of these chemicals. Instead of plastic toys, look for wood or cotton toys. It's really the responsibility of the government to make sure we are protected and for us to be aware of legislation in our state about these chemicals. The problem is the sheer variety of products that have EDCs in them. The other issue is we don't really know who is responsible for regulating these chemicals. Is it the responsibility of the Food and Drug Administration, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Agriculture, or maybe the Defense Department? They all play a role. And the National Defense Authorization Act for 2023 does have provisions to reduce the use of and clean up PFAS pollution. Some individual states are banning chemicals that aren't banned by the federal government. And just so you know, nothing has been done about sunscreen ingredients and many other products that our families use. So it's up to us to minimize our own exposure. It is possible to test for PFAS, but testing isn't widely available and it can be expensive. And the truth is, you should just assume you and your child have been exposed and do what you can to limit any further exposure. There really isn't any treatment to reduce what's already in your body anyway. The long-term cumulative effects of exposure to PFAS, phthalates, and other endocrine-disrupting compounds in consumer products, they're subtle. And these effects can be missed because they're what we call the fetal basis of adult disease which means our exposures, even as early as when we're in the womb, can lead to disorders later in life. The American Academy of Pediatrics has said the regulation of chemicals under the Toxic Substances Control Act is ineffective in protecting children, pregnant women, and the general population from hazardous chemicals. The government has been slow to act to protect us, largely because the regulatory methods in place, they take a long time. So it's up to you as an individual to buy products thoughtfully and to share this information. Our purchasing power is our voice. For more from The Pediatrician Next Door, find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com. If you've got a question about the weird things kids do, send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show. I'm Dr. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. This show is produced by Red Rock Music. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening. I'll be back next time with more.